I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode 19 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode. I am always so excited to start off your week um, with this podcast. And this week is a continuation of last week's episode, which was all about reading conferences. So if you missed it, or if you're new to reading conferences, you might want to go back and listen to episode 18. And in that episode, I talk all about how you can use the needs framework to structure your reading conferences. This means that every time you sit down to confer, you're gonna follow really the same formula for all of your conferences. You're gonna spend time noticing, exploring, encouraging, develop, and strengthen. And that's a super simple way just to make sure you're getting the most out of your reading conferences. Like I said, if you missed last week's episode, go back and give it a listen. There's also a freebie that I have that walks through that framework that I'll include in the link to this show notes as well. So if you missed it last week, you wanna go ahead and grab it this week. I try to keep these episodes short because I know y'all have a lot going on, and I also don't want to overwhelm you with tons of new content in one single episode. I wanted to spend just one more week talking about reading conferences, so that way I can answer some frequent questions that teachers have about implementing reading conferences. And really, I feel like I could have probably an entire podcast that talks all about reading conferences. So I thought breaking it up into two different episodes and maybe more would be helpful. At least for today, we're going to spend a little more time talking about reading conferences. Before I jump into a bunch of rapid fire FAQs, I did want to spend just a little bit of time talking about the best way to launch reading conferences in your classroom. Whether you're doing reading conferences right now for the first time in May, or if you're thinking ahead to next year when you start reading conferences from week one, there's a few things for you to keep in mind. First of all, One of the things that we can forget to do as teachers is to properly explain to our students 
why we do or incorporate certain things in our classroom. And this is true of reading conferences, but it's really true of a lot of things. Sometimes we do things without ever telling our students what our reasoning is behind that. And here's the thing, when we tell our students why or explain sort of the reason behind our teaching, it can help them just have a much deeper understanding of, you know, why why that's incorporated and what their role is and why that's something that they need to take seriously. Once I got serious with reading conferences and I started to do them a little bit more regular with my students, I noticed that a lot of my students would be nervous when I would sit down next to them for a reading conference. And I would notice that for some students, they would tense up and they would start to fidget with either their fingers or their notebook. A lot of times they would look at me asking for permission. Can I go back and look in the back of the book for, you know, can I go back and check things? And then at the end of the conference, they would ask, how did I do? Did I get my questions right? What's my reading level? And I realized that my students didn't really understand the purpose of a reading conference. And once I realized this, it made sense because most of the time in elementary school, if a student is sitting down one-on-one with a teacher during reading class, it's probably for a benchmark-leveled reading assessment or a running record of sorts. And our students are used to being tested in this format, in the same format as a reading conference to determine their reading level. So here I had students who were starting to get a mild form of test anxiety every time we did a reading conference because they were thinking they were getting tested for their next reading level. They didn't understand that there was a difference between a reading conference that I did once a week or once every other week versus these benchmark leveled assessments that happened, you know, mid-year every quarter. They just realized I'm sitting down talking about a book with my teacher. It must be for a test. I realized that it is important from the beginning to really explain to your students what a reading conference is, why it's important, and make sure students understand how it's going to help them grow as a reader. If you take time to do this, it really will increase the investment and the motivation and the excitement for your students about reading conferences. And we know that we want our students to be invested, motivated, and excited about reading. So take the time to introduce and explain it to them. One of the things that I like to do usually during the first three weeks of school when I'm launching reading workshop, and I'm sure that's something we'll talk about later this summer, but really taking time to set up your reading expectations and routines. And I like to dedicate a few of my mini lessons to talking about reading conferences. So this means that when a whole group lesson, we're talking basically, and I'm teaching my students how to do a reading conference. So rather than, you know, reading a a text or talking about a specific reading strategy, we're talking about reading conferences. And I like to explain what a reading conference is, and I make sure students understand the difference between a reading conference and an assessment so they know that this is not a test, but a reading conferences is going to help them grow as readers. I like to either create an anchor chart or even just show my students a T-chart to help them understand what my role is during a reading conference, that I'm noticing their reading habits, that I'm encouraging what they're doing well, and that I'm giving them one small thing to work on. But we also want to talk about what is the role of a student. So that way students understand their job. Their job is to share their reading life with me. So this means they need to be able to talk about what they're working on, to talk about the strategies, that there's no right or wrong answer that it is simply just sharing what is working and what isn't working. I think it's even important for students to know that during a reading conference, it's really their opportunity to have one-on-one uninterrupted time with a teacher. So if they have questions about something, 
or if they're struggling with something, it's okay to talk about that, that that's kind of the whole purpose of a reading conference. You can also show your students the needs framework. So that way students know what to expect. I think anytime a student knows what to expect, it just helps them prepare. So if students know that during every conference, there is part of the reading conference where you are going to develop them as a reader and you're going to share a teaching point or something they can work on, if students know that's coming, they're not going to view this as something that they are failing at or something that they did wrong or take it personally. They're just going to realize that that is part of how we do reading conferences. I also think it's important that you talk to your students how often they can expect to have a reading conference. This is also good if you need some accountability. If you're trying to do something more frequently in your classroom, just tell your students what the goal is and then they will uh, hold you accountable. You know, they'll say, hey, you told us we're going to do reading conferences every week. It's been two weeks since we've done a reading conference. Just tell them when they can expect it. And I think you can also point out that a reading conference is going to really help them identify and reinforce what they're doing well. So they're going to feel more confident as a result of them. And make sure they know that they're meant to be fun. This is a chance for you to have a one-on-one conversation about books with your students. And who doesn't want to have that? Just make sure your students really understand what a reading conference is, what their role is, and how it's going to help them as a reader. Like I said, I usually like to do maybe one or two mini lessons all about a reading conference and how it helps students. And then I also like to model to show students what a reading conference looks like before we start incorporating them. One way that you can do this is by doing a fishbowl model. And really what this means is, is you're going to pick one student who's going to model with you and you guys are going to conduct a reading conference while the rest of your class watches. You could have you and the student be in the center of the carpet and all of your students are around you, or you could go sit at the student's desk and you could tell your students to gather around, however it is, but you just want all of your students to be able to observe this reading conference. What I suggest is before you do this model is you think of what is one student that I could, you know, a student that's going to be brave and comfortable and not going to feel uncomfortable having a conference where the whole class can see. And you maybe want to actually have the actual reading conference with one student ahead of time and then ask their permission. Would it be okay if we repeated this exact same conference, but with the rest of the class watching? While you're modeling, you want the rest of your class to observe what's happening and you want to point out each part of the needs framework. So that way your students can see what's happening. Let them know that if you are watching them and you're jotting down notes, that you're just taking your observations, that that's the first part of the reading conference. A lot of times students get nervous or worried when they see a teacher looking at them and writing something down. If they have a past history of you know behavior issues or something, they might be worried. I would always have students say, what are you writing down? Are you going to tell my mom? Did I do something wrong? Let them know that I'm just observing. This is the first step of the reading conference. And then when you encourage the student point out to them, okay, the next step of the reading conference is I'm going to explore. I'm going to ask open-ended questions. Make sure students understand the difference between an open-ended question and like a closed-ended question. Again, a lot of times our students have this idea that questions have right answers, but with an open-ended question, you're not trying to ask a question that has a right answer. You're just trying to collect data and information. So make sure your students understand the types of questions you're going to ask and how they should respond. You can walk through and model each part of the reading conference and highlight it to the students. So that way your students know exactly what to expect. 
I like to model a reading conference to the whole class for a few reasons. First of all, if you think about it, students play a really important part in the conference. It is really a student-led conference because you are responding to what the students are doing. You're responding to their behaviors. You're responding to their strengths. You're responding to areas and opportunities for growth. So the more familiar your students are with the process and what the ultimate goal is, the more comfortable they're going to be really taking ownership of their role during a reading conference. And your conferences will be so much more successful if your students are keyed in to what the conference looks like and what you're expecting of them during the conference, which again, the ultimate goal is to reinforce and grow your students. Now, the second reason why I like to model reading conferences is is it helps students realize and it helps them see what a fun and special time a reading conference is. It really is. They are so much fun. You know, if you think about it, it's your chance to give students undivided attention from you, their teacher. And we have so many students who are just hungry and craving for attention. It's This is a chance for you to give them that with a positive experience about reading. And I know that all of you as teachers have experienced interruptions and distractions during your reading block. And I'm sure that you've had students come up to you in the middle of a small group lesson and ask if they can go to the bathroom or if they can sharpen their pencil. And these are things that you want to avoid have happening during a reading conference and really all times. But because reading conferences are so short, you really don't want them to be interrupted. I think when students can observe and see what is happening during a conference and they realize how short they are and how important and how powerful and you really communicate what a special time it is for, you know, them as a reader, they will be a little less likely to interrupt you during a conference because they have observed how important it is and they can understand the type of experience they want to have and they want to hopefully honor and give that to the rest of their classmates. So it can just be helpful to sort of set the norm that this is what happens during a reading conference. And we as a class are going to protect reading conference time for all students. So modeling can be such a good way to just sort of help set that expectation. If you're wondering kind of the best way to get started with reading conferences, that's my advice. Teach students what they are before you jump into it. Make sure they understand the framework and the goal. Answer any questions they have. You want them to feel comfortable and excited. You also just kind of want to hype them up, let them know, okay, next week we're getting started with reading conferences. You can even have a time slot sign up so you can let students pick the time of their first reading conference and you want to celebrate them, make a big deal out of them. You want this to be something that your students look forward to and taking a little bit of time to teach them about the framework and what reading conference is can help eliminate some of the confusion and help prevent your students from feeling like a reading conference is a test or an assessment and help them feel comfortable that this is meant to be a tool to help them grow as readers. I just wanted to kind of take some time to talk through that before we jump into some of the um, frequently asked questions. So one question I often get from teachers is how often should I do reading conferences? And my answer to that is as often as you possibly can. You guys, I get it. Time is limited. And there's also so many different things that are fighting for your time during your reading instruction. A couple things that you can consider. First of all, if you are not giving yourself enough time to refine and perfect reading conferences, they are probably never going to become a super effective part of your reading block. So if you like the idea of a reading conference and you want to get better at them, then as a teacher, you need to commit to incorporating them on a regular basis. Because if you don't regularly do a reading conference, like I talked about kind of in the last episode, it's going to take you a while as a teacher to figure out your rhythm and your routine and to become good at them. But if you never practice them, 
they're always going to become something that you're like, oh, that works for other teachers, but not for myself. But if you want them to work for you, they can. You just have to practice them. I like to encourage teachers, I think at a minimum, try to confer with each student once a month, which really isn't too bad. That is really like having one reading conference a day. So all you have to do is find eight to 10 minutes a day for a reading conference. The other thing is, is that the frequency might vary from student to student. And so you might have one student who needs some extra support during certain seasons. And so that student might need a reading conference every single week or more if you have it. But you have other students that might be doing just fine with small group instruction. And maybe you only need to confer with them once a month just to really check in with what they're doing. Reading conferences, again, how often should you do them? As often as you can fit them in. Obviously, the more you do them, the bigger impact you're going to get out of them. But I think if possible, try to connect with your students at least once a month for a reading conference. Another time or another thing that teachers ask is what is the best time to do a reading conference? You know, especially if you feel like your reading block is already squeezed uh, for time and you're struggling to get everything in, you know, when should you do these? So again, my answer to this might be kind of lame, but do them whenever you can find the time. And there have been a few different options or scheduling sort of like tricks, hacks that I've used in the past that seem to work. For a while, I would do one reading conference every single day just at the start of our independent reading block. So after we did our mini lesson, my students would go back to their desks, they'd get out their books, they would get out their journals, and they would read. And during that time, I would just pull one student and I would start off that time with a reading conference. And this just allowed me to consistently practice reading conferences. I made it a priority. And for a while, I tried to do them at the end of my reading block after my small groups, but I had a bad habit of letting my small groups go longer than they should. And so I realized if I did reading conferences first, I never had to worry about missing those. So I would do reading conferences and then I would have time to pull two small groups. I, for the most time, would have a 45-minute independent reading block. And so I would be able to do one reading conference that was around eight minutes and then two small groups that were both around 18 minutes each. And that really worked for me. Another thing that you could try to do is squeeze in reading conferences during any weird transitional time that you have during the day. And I know they exist. They exist at every school. I don't know how your specific school schedule is, but at my last school in Houston, students had a 25-minute window in which they could arrive to school and eat breakfast. Students would start showing up in my classroom around 7.20, but I was not allowed to start my instructional day until 7.45. So that means during that 25 minutes, they are unpacking their bag, they're doing morning work, they're eating breakfast, they're going to the bathroom, they're filling their water bottles. But 25 minutes is a really long time for students to transition to start their day. So of course, we had various morning routine assignments, whether it was, you know, independent reading or finishing up their homework or some centers or technology time. But I also found that this was a really great time to squeeze in some reading conferences. And I could usually meet with two students during this time. And then that also freed up the independent reading time for either another small group lesson, or I could just do another reading conference. So kind of think about your day. Do you have some extra time in the beginning? Do you have some time that's not long enough for a full lesson in between either recess or lunch or specials? Just kind of think when Do you have 10 minutes that you could meet with a student where the rest of your class is engaged with something else? Here's a question I get asked a lot. How do I confer with students if I have never read the book that they're reading? And this is a great question, right? It is kind of like, well, how can I help support them if I don't know 
anything about the book they're reading? How do I know if what they're talking about is correct or accurate? I want you to think about that the goal of the reading conference is not to assess a student's comprehension of a specific book, but it is to give them the tools and the strategies that will help them become successful and progress on their lifelong journey of becoming a reader. So think big picture here. We're not worried about one book and their understanding of one book. We're really thinking of their whole life as a reader. Think about this. If you have a student who's talking about a book, can you tell if they really understand that book just by how they talk about it? And I think the answer is yes. Because here's the thing. Even if you haven't read it, you can still have a pretty good gauge of a student's understanding. How many details do they include? Can they talk in depth about a specific character or a specific event? Can they talk to you about the part that was the most surprising and something that was unexpected that happened? Do they share personal connections or questions that they ask? Do they talk about how they're excited to read the sequel because they want to see if something happens in the book? Think about the tone of their voice. Do they have a lot of upspeak? And as they talk, does it sound like they're not really sure what happened? Or do they talk with confidence? And can they specifically recall, you know, their favorite part of the story? So think about even just how they're talking about the book. Do they have a favorite part? And can they connect to the emotion of when they're reading? Have they made it personal? Even if you don't know the book, you can still listen to a student talk about a story And they can give you lots of clues that you can use to help figure out if a student understands what they are reading or if they have really no idea what's happening in the text. The other thing to keep in mind is that you will be asking students questions during the explore section that might not have anything to do with their specific book, such as what genres have you been reading lately? Why did you select that genre? What strategies have you been using with your book? How have they helped you? Why did you select this book? These open-ended questions are going to tell you a lot about your students as readers, and their answers are going to give you insight that will allow you to develop them and encourage them on their entire reading journey, not just specifically helping with that one book. Just feel confident knowing that even if you have never read a book that they are reading independently, you as a teacher can still develop and teach and empower them to continue to grow. Another question that teachers have asked is, what are the rest of my students doing while I'm doing a reading conference? I want you to think about reading conferences really in the same way that you think about your small group instruction. So a lot of times teachers will have their students either engaged in independent reading, in reading centers, in book clubs. And when the rest of their class is busy and engaged in these meaningful tasks, then they pull small groups. You can do the same thing for reading conferences. One thing you can do is you can either incorporate reading conferences into kind of like your small group schedule. Or like I said, if you have them going on in another time of your day, ask your students to read independently or complete an independent assignment while you pull a reading conference. Really, it doesn't matter so much about what your students are doing. Obviously, you want it to be productive and meaningful. You don't want it to be just busy work. But the rest of your class just needs to be engaged in something that they're not going to need your help or support with. So that way you can give your focus to the student that you're conferring with. The last question that I wanted to address is one where teachers really wonder, how do reading conferences fit into the rest of the elements with reading workshop? And really, in order to understand that, we kind of need to think about the big picture. How does every part of our reading workshop work to support our students? First of all, more than likely, you're starting off your lesson with some sort of whole group mini lesson. 
And this is when you introduce a specific skill or strategy to your students. The goal of the mini lesson is really the introduction. You are exposing your students to it. We're not expecting mastery during the mini lesson. Mastery happens when they actually practice it during their independent reading time. Once you do your mini lesson, then your students will probably do independent reading or centers or something like that. And then you're pulling small group. Your small group is meant to reinforce and refine the understanding of what you taught during the mini lesson and to help transfer or help them prepare to transfer that to their independent reading. Mini lesson is when you introduce and expose students to an objective. You reinforce it during small group, which means during small group, you usually aren't introducing things for the first time. It's a reintroduction or a reteaching of something that they've already been taught, whole group. And then independent reading time is when the work really happens. This is when your students are actually going to work on mastering the skill or strategy that you taught them during the mini lesson that they've already been practicing in small group. And so if you think of it, a reading conference, it really is the opportunity to fill in the gaps and help support students transfer what they learn in the whole group mini lesson to their independent reading. And that means that everything you talk about or discuss during a reading conference is probably something that your students have already been exposed to either during a mini lesson or a small group which means you're not teaching them anything new. You're just reinforcing or reminding them of what they've already learned during a mini lesson or small group, which is why they can take such a short amount of time because you're just showing students that this strategy is available to you. And if you apply it, it could help you as a reader. And a lot of times students will say, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, we learned about that in small group. Or oh yeah, I remember you teaching me about it, but they have just forgotten. It just hasn't become a regular part of their independent reading life and reading conferences can help with that transfer. I hope that this episode really has helped answer some questions that you might have about reading conferences, but if it didn't, that's okay. I would still love to answer your questions and I would love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram. I am at the Stellar Teacher Company with any questions you have about reading conferences or really anything related because I love talking to you guys about reading. And I hope that you are able to find some time between now and the end of the year to get in a few reading conferences and really start refining and perfecting what you want reading conferences to look like in your classroom. So by the time August comes around or September, you are ready to start them from day one. Have a great week, guys. We'll talk next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at StellarTeacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.